Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall. But for ghosts. But for ghosts. We um we are coming off some crazy, wonderful, cool news. Yeah. We didn't some cool stuff happened probably two weeks ago, but we we didn't record we, we recorded our last episode two weeks ago. Right. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week's on the cult episode. Right. But now that we're here, we can talk about it. Um we got an email. Yep. As if you follow us on social media, you know this by now. But if you don't follow us on social media, you may not know this. We got an email from um, Feedspot.com. It's a blog, and they ranked the top twenty-five New York podcasts. And this little show, you guys, Aww. your little friends, Adam and Christina, <laughs> made the list at number five. Number five, we were ranked number five out of twenty out of the top twenty five New York based podcast. Um, Thanks, Speedspot. And just to give you a sense of the the um, the company we're in, <laughs> I just want to read off the the top five. The- number one is New York Now, which comes out of Troy, New York. It's freaking love New York Now. Yeah, it's uh, it's New York State's Emmy Award winning in depth public affairs program, mm-hmm. and it features news and interviews and all that stuff. Uh, from the Capitol. Yep. That was number one. Number two was the New York Times briefing. Basically something that everyone gets right. just like right. every day right. along with their daily. Number three was the New York Daily News. The, the the number two newspaper in New York. Right. Number four is the Bowery Boys. Love the Bowery Boys. Who, every, if you listen to the show, you know how much I love the Bowery Boys. It's it's. I think the Bowery Boys are the quintessential New York podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, all about New York history, um, specifically New York City history, um, and they're number four. And then we round out at number at number five. That's crazy. Thanks, and guys. So I just want to truly, we just want to truly thank um, Feedspot for for recognizing us. Uh, we want to thank all of you for listening and yep. for for being a part of this journey with us. I mean, we are just about what seven, seven months, months in, year? and Eight to months, uh, to find months. ourselves on any. List. August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, March 1st. So eight months in. Eight months in. Um, but to find ourselves on any list this early in our in our journey is just a super honor. And to be in this company um, is really great. And so thank you to, to all those who, who listen to the show, who rate and review the show. Um, if you'd like to rate and review the show, you know what to do. You head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You give us five stars. You leave us some words. Um, and, and you can become the listener of the month, which we're going to choose in a little bit today. Um, in addition, we found out that you can also... Uh, Review us on Audible. If you yeah, listen to us on Audible. that was news. So head on over to Audible if you're one of those listeners. Um, and we've also picked up some new some new patrons along the way, yeah. um, which is really really incredible. Uh, as as of this recording, we have a brand brand new one. Last week we last week we introduced uh, one of our new patrons who who came along. Um, last week we we welcomed Carla. Yep. To to our, our our little community, and this week we're welcoming Sam McKelvey to our little Sam McKelvey, our little family. Uh, she also signed on to to be a patron. So if you want to be like Jordan and Carla and Sam and and the folks who who want to help us out, you know, all you got to do is head on over to patreoncom machine and for as little as three dollars. Um, you can support us at for as little as five dollars. You get to listen to a bonus episode every month. We give a patron exclusive episode that has no commercials. Yep. 
um, that no one else gets to listen to but you. So head on over to Patreon if you want to be a part of this community, um, this ever-growing community. It seems like every week we're picking up someone new, and um, all the money really, truly does help. We're, we're putting together our, our new setup, our new equipment, our new studio yep. situation here, and um, we will keep you updated as to those pieces when they all come together. But thank you. So we have to, before we forget, pick out our March um, listener right, of right. the month. So we're going to take out the ticker taper parade. Not parade. It's on parade. I know it's not even ticker tape, but what do you call that stuff? I don't know, but I like calling it ticker I tape. I do too. Our ticker tape machine. Would you like to spin this month, Adam? <sighs> And this month's listener comes to us from the Audible reviews. Oh, man. Um, and it's anonymous. They put anonymous, Aww. which is fine. Okay. But well, if, if you, you recognize yourself. If you recognize this review, reach out to us so we can send you our stickers. Um, this anonymous user gave us, because I love Audible, they give you cat, they give you like categories. So overall five stars, performance okay. five star, and story five stars. Damn. So, All right. And this person wrote, Adam and Christina's chemistry is amazing. The podcast is actually endless fun. Hmm. The hosts, Adam Mace and Christina Marinelli, work perfectly together. They remind me of Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein. Ooh. High praise. Great music and art. The social media interaction with the podcast is interactive and enjoyable. So, Golly gee. Thank you, Anonymous. Uh, reach out to us on social so we can send you it's some sticker. stickers. Um, and uh, we thank our Anonymous reviewer. We thank our patrons. We thank everyone who, who who's helping us. Uh, uh, put this together. Um, yeah, it, thanks, folks. It takes a village, and everyone's doing the work together. So thank you so much. Um, I'd also like to briefly acknowledge that no one could see this, but I did hold out an Invisa ticker tape machine, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Adam Invisa spun it. Like he he, and I appreciate yeah. I appreciate that level of commitment. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, and all we really do is just put all the reviews digitally, and just like it randomizes what we what we choose. But it's more important to me and to Christina that we do a mime situation <laughs> in the studio because that's. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how it works, folks. Um, but, you know, uh, really, really exciting stuff. We've also had, a, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this too, last week was our most successful week. Yeah, that was exciting. That was crazy. Um, we don't know if it's because the the the, 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 the listing, maybe it was, probably was a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it was our, our most, our that episode, the ghost episode from last week, was our most listened to new release in the history of the show. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, in one week, we had the most listens we've ever had uh, by a lot. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what, what it would be if we were to use the Izzy, the Izzy metric. Like he, he got five Isadora Finks. <laughs> 20 Isadora Finks in one week. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But um, so we make fun of Isadora, but Isadora is no longer last. I, you know. Here's the thing, folks. A few, like a couple months ago, we made a play. We were like. The perfect crime episode featuring Isidore Fink. Why won't you love us? Wasn't doing well. It, not that it wasn't doing well. It just, it just was, was behind everybody. It was behind else. everyone. And you guys, you came out and you supported. And now Isidore Fink is no longer the the, the lowest ranking of our episodes. No. But he will forever be the metric by which I measure everything. Yeah. So um, how many Isidore Finks standing on top of himself? Uh, <laughs> so uh, be sure to. Uh, we've been getting a lot of people checking out our backlog. So continue to check out the backlog. And um, again, thank you to everyone. I, we, we've talked a lot, so it's. I think yeah, it's time to time get to go into time to get into it. What's our story today? Um, today we have a, a bit of an interesting one. We are chatting about the anatomy riots Ooh. of 1788. Ooh. Um, or the doctor's riot of 1788. I think anatomy riot. But I, I call it the anatomy. But it's, it's so much both. more fun. 
Um, we're going all back to the infancy of our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in 1788. We're chatting about the anatomy riot. And I know what you're thinking. Adam. Mm. The fuck is an anatomy riot? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Slash yeah. Adam. The fuck is a doctor's riot? <laughs> what does it even mean? Well, this is an odd and awful look at the world of medicine in the 18th century. Ooh. I will say that we're not only going to uncover awful truths about the early days of medicine in the mm-hmm. United States of America, but also the ongoing epidemic of racism that existed even up north in New York. It's such a huge myth that racism and and the mistreatment of of uh, African Americans yeah. didn't exist above the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> well, I was going to say slavery existed in New York legally until 1827. 1827. Yeah, and so you're going to hear a little about that. Um, now I want you all to close your eyes, okay, and imagine New York City in 1788. Yep, we're only five years post Revolution, mm-hmm. a baby of a country. First off, the capital of the country is here still, in Mm -hmm. New York, but there's no leader. That's right. The election for the first president won't happen until December of this coming year, when Washington will unanimously win the seat. So government is only localized. There's no national government except for just the the representatives of the states who have been meeting to form our nation's constitution. But the governor is still George Clinton. Hmm. Who 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 who's been the governor for a little bit? The mayor is James Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Yes, James Dwayne of Dwayne Street. Oh, which ran parallel to Reed Street, hmm. which birthed a pharmacy called Dwayne Reed. No. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't. No, I did not know that. Yeah, Dwayne Street is named after James Dwayne, and then there's Reed Street, which ran parallel to to Dwayne. So it's Dwayne on one side, and then there's an. Broadway and then there's Reed Street and then uh, somewhere in the middle of that um, was a giant pharmacy they created a pharmacy and they called that pharmacy Dwayne Reed frick I didn't know that well there you go now you know that's, no that's crazy the battle. that's the most important thing about this episode everyone I don't whatever else happens <laughs> but New York is not a paradise post-war mm. sure it's been 12 years since the British burned New York down but the city is still facing the ramifications of being under British rule for most of the war the burned buildings loom out of the dark, crooked streets, which met at strange angles. Ooh. Remember, this is before the grid. Mm. So the streets are angled off in so many directions, leading to so many dead ends. Uh, if you're ever in lower New York, you get a sense of that. It's an, where, it's an experience. Where all the streets are kind of all weird and crooked down in the financial district. Not Fidei. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Um, fights would constantly break out in taverns. Crime ran rampant. Mm. Families huddled in shanty towns constructed of ships' canvases while garbage piled high on the corners. Wow, we never talk about this. Yeah, and for police, well, that was left to the city watch, which usually consisted of about 40 guys with clubs. Anything anything that's needed beyond that would go to the city's militia. Okay. But among the thieves, murderers, and the criminals of old New York, citizens truly feared one group. Mm Mm-hmm. And what did this group look like? Well, not what you'd think. You see, they wore black suits, carried around books. They were medical students. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, med students. Now, at the time, New York was home to only one medical school, Columbia College. And those looking to practice medicine didn't have to graduate from a professional school. 
So with this rule out of place, it led to some students attending private not-for-credit classes at New York Hospital, taught by Richard Bailey, who was a Connecticut-born doctor who had studied in London with the famous Scottish surgeon John Hunter. In England and Scotland, med students learned about the human anatomy in an awful way. Okay. By dissecting bodies stolen from local cemeteries. Stolen? Stolen. Okay. You see, this wasn't just a few random bodies over the years. In fact, grave robbing was so popular in Europe that was basically a profession. Oh, my God. In London and Edinburgh, there was a notorious group of thieves known as the Resurrection Men. Oh, that that's... That's not. I shouldn't laugh, but that's very funny. They would dig up fresh corpses from cemeteries of the poor for a price, and then bring them to the medical schools. Huh. Now, a common question is why? Why was this done in secret? Well, why, like today, weren't their bodies just being donated to science? Right. Well, like many early American beliefs and traditions, it comes from Britain. Mm-hmm. Throughout the 1700s, people in Britain feared the dissection after death would leave their bodies mangled on Judgment Day when ah. God would raise the dead. They also viewed dissection as shameful. Think about it. A naked body lying there, being poked and prodded. It was deemed to be obscene. Hmm. So, government officials in Britain banned dissections there. But the British Crown knew that doctors needed bodies for training and medical research. Right. How do you know where a spleen is if you can't look inside a body? Exactly. So the government did supply medical schools with a few executed criminals. Okay. In fact, judges would explicitly sentence criminals to death and dissection as a way to wring a little more punishment out of the rogues after death. Oh, my gosh. However, it still wasn't enough. There were so few bodies available and so much demand. Yeah. That anatomy students from rival schools often got into fistfights over corpses. Oh my god! Therefore, this is when the resurrection men came to be. Right. The resurrection the, men. The best of the resurrection men could expose a coffin and strip the body out in fifteen minutes flat. Whew. Then they'd schlep the body across town and slink into an alley behind the anatomist's house. They typically got two pounds per body, roughly two hundred fifty dollars today. It was good money. In Scotland, two enterprising fellows even started murdering people and selling those bodies just for extra cash. Oh, oh man. Plus, it was easy for officials to look the other way since it wasn't their loved ones being stolen. It was right. just poor people. Just um, poor people, you ask. <laughs> how could it be just poor people? Well, I'll tell you, Christina, how could it just be poor people? Rich families could afford uh, deterrence against grave robbing, like so-called mort safes. Mort safes? Yes, mort safes. These are iron cages around coffins underground that made the bodies hard to steal. So basically they caged them in so you couldn't get through to the coffin. Fucking hell. Um, The rich also hired private guards to watch over their daily departed as well. Wow. The poor, meanwhile, can afford these things. Right. So grave robbers, anatomists, all the like... Go for the poor. They prayed on them, dug them up, called it a day. And that's why we're going to eat the rich. That is why (laughs) we're going to eat the rich. Payback for digging up our bodies. So back to New York, where there were no professionals. Mm. Again, America's new. If the med students wanted to learn about the human anatomy, they were going to have to rob the graves themselves. Get their hands dirty. (laughs) And so they did. Right. Now, the hardest hit groups here included indigenous peoples. Right, that makes sense. Immigrants, especially German and Irish ones. Mm-hmm. And, of course, 
African Americans, yeah. both enslaved and free. God. When the slaves of New York died, usually of disease and overwork, mm -hmm. they were buried in an unincorporated patch of land in a wooded ravine just north of Chambers Street near the Collect Pond. The city's fathers had declared the churchyards, a favored burial spot of the elites, off limits to blacks both free and enslaved. Hmm. Just as there was a hierarchy for the living in New York, there was a hierarchy for the dead of New York. Right. Although it was illegal for the slaves to congregate at night, they did so for funerals, mm -hmm. wrapping their dead in shrouds and lowering the bodies into coffins, always buried with heads facing west, mm -hmm. so the faces would be pointing east when they arose in the afterlife. Hmm. Which I love that. that. That's really, yeah. Just like Britain, however, America was, was catching up. Uh, the bodies of the wealthy, they were safe. Right, they got cages. They incorporated the use of the cages, the guards, all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Slaves and free men and women of color didn't have these resources. Yeah. So medical students from Columbia and New York Hospital only had to walk a couple of muddy blocks to reach the African burial ground, as well as the potter's field just next to it. Mm. Now, there was a fight to prevent this. Okay. On February 14, 1788, a group of the city's free and enslaved blacks submitted a petition to the Common Council. Ooh. It read, quote, most humbly, sirs, we declare that it has lately been the practice of a number of young gentlemen in the city who call themselves students of the physic to repair to the burying ground a sign for those used of your petitioners. Under cover of the night, in the most wanton sallies of excess, they dig up bodies of our deceased friends and relatives of your petitioners, carrying them away without respect for age or sex. The petitioners, quote, would not be adverse to such dissection, they wrote, if it is conducted with decency and propriety, which the solemnity of such occasion requires. Wow. So the petitioners didn't ask for the grave robbing right. to stop. They just asked that it just be done in a more ethical manner. That's kind of fascinating to me because I don't, it's almost like predating the idea of, of, um, you know, donating your body to science. Yeah, that's that's fascinating to me. I that that it wasn't a just hard. I don't I don't know if it's if it's a predating thing or if it's a um a just sheer desperation at the very least for the love of God. Just give us a little dignity about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean the operative phrase in that in that whole passage was conducted with the decency and propriety which the solemnity of such occasion requires. Yeah. However, unsurprisingly, the petition was ignored, yeah. as was a letter in the Daily Advertiser about two weeks later, which complained that, quote, few blacks are buried whose bodies are permitted to remain in the grave. Oof. Many in the city were willing to turn a blind eye to grave robbing as long as those bodies were poor and especially not white. Right. But on February 21st, 1788, the Daily Advertiser printed an announcement saying, that the body of a white woman had been stolen from Trinity Churchyard. Mm. With that, the elite of the city found themselves in the same position as the blacks and the poor whites. Oh, boy. And all of a sudden, hmm. when it has permeated the white status quo, it has now become an issue. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's one way for it to suddenly be unacceptable. We must do something. It was fine until now. Listen, you can rob all those people, poors and alike, but when <laughs> you rob rich whites, whites. how <laughs> dare you? Now, no one knows for sure how this riot began. Okay. 
there's many stories, but it all seems to to kind of fall around the same circumstances. Um, and that circumstance really gets told in this one specific narrative that has lasted the, the, the three one centuries. Two, yeah. You know, on April 13th, 1788, several boys were playing in a grassy area outside New York Hospital where a student named John Hicks was dissecting an arm. Hicks, who is probably no more than 16 or 17, is said to have waved the arm out of the third floor window at one of the boys, yelling, quote, This is your mother's arm. I just dug it up. Oh, God. <laughs> in, tru- in truth, the boy's mother had, in fact, recently died. <gasps> so, oh, no. He ran down Broadway to tell the story to his father, who was a mason. His father, the man, exhumed his wife's coffin. And after finding it empty, marched on to the hospital with a group of angry worker friends still carrying their mason tools. So it really was his mother? Supposed so. Supposedly, I guess. that, Or just really freaky coincidence. That his mother also was robbed. Right, yeah. Like both of them were. were right. Not, neither is a good situation. Uh. Colonel William Heth, who served the United States of America in several Virginia regiments under Washington during the Revolution, wrote a letter to Governor of Virginia Edmund Randolph describing what happened when the workmen got to the hospital. It was printed in Joel Tyler Headley's 1873 The Great Rights of New York. Colonel Heth wrote, quote, The cry of barbarity and etc. was soon spread. The young sons of Gallon fled in every direction. One took refuge in a chimney. The mob raised, and the hospital apartments were ransacked. In the anatomy room were found three fresh bodies, one boiling in a kettle Ooh. and two others cutting up, with certain parts of the two sexes hanging up in the most brutal position. The circumstances together with the wanton and apparent inhuman complexion of the room exasperated the mob beyond all bounds to the total destruction of every anatomy in the hospital. They got angry. And mm. they ransacked New York Hospital. I mean, I get it. That was a pretty horrific description. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you walk in and you see, like, all these bodies in the worst positions. I was going to say, it, sound, it sounds like they're not just dissecting, like, oh, let me do an autopsy. It's like, mm, let me dismember this body and yeah. boil bits of it. Yeah, it, it it did not seem to be okay. I hate what? it. <laughs> You're making a weird face. I hate it. I really hate it. I cannot emphasize this enough. Like, I can't emphasize how much I hate this. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Just. Description. It is said that the workmen hauled bones and half dissected bodies from the anatomy rooms into a heap on the street and set them ablaze in a giant bonfire. Well, this doesn't seem to be making it better. I know. There's burning <laughs> bodies now. Burning bodies and burning tools and burning shit. Everything's little, burning. Little, little Frasier reference for everyone. Flesh is burning. No, 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 no. No. Okay, it's fine. No. It doesn't matter. Well. No one gets that. You're Frasier. welcome for the one person who might. I honestly, if you are a person who got that reference, please let us know. Please validate me. Send Christina a direct message. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to read it. Although most of the doctors and medical students had already fled, those who remained to guard the viable collection of anatomical specimens were also dragged into the streets. They may have been added to the bonfire too, Ooh. if it hadn't been for the oh. arrival of Mayor James Duane, the sheriff and several others who carried the medical men off to jail for their own safety. Ooh. Well, now it seems that this is the end of it. 
right? Yep. That that put a kibosh on it. Not at all. (laughs) Um, Because the next day would see even more chaos, even more destruction. Um, This was a a two-day affair, and the second day just happened to um, be worse than the first day. More than than the pile of burning people already? Well, no, not exactly, but it will take a different form. Oh, okay. And we're going to chat all about that when we come back from my break. So we'll see you in just uh, a few minutes. Flesh is burning. <laughs> the New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black and white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Missing Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox. BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups, and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats. Your first box ships immediately. Plus, BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right. So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox, valued at $35, when you sign up for multi-length plans. Oh, okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine and get your pup some treats today. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NY Mystery Machine for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NY Mystery Machine. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow. All right, we're back. So April 13th, 1788, we saw the beginning of a riot, ending with Mayor James Duane making the crowd disperse. Mm -hmm. The next morning, things would take an even darker turn. Uh, Fueled by the the stories of the men who attacked the night before, 
a larger mob began to run around the city searching for doctors, medical students, and bodies. They would go house to house, banging on doors, demanding that any medical professional or students come out to meet their doom. Oof. While these folks would go to every home in the city, hundreds began to descend on Columbia College. The numbers would continue to grow, and one alumnus of the school would run to the front steps and plead for the crowd to disperse. Hmm. That person? Alexander Hamilton. Really? Alexander Hamilton... Uh, would, would run to the steps. This is the man's, what, fourth appearance on this show? Go on. Yeah, we have a bunch of Hamilton on this show. But the mob actually didn't give a shit about Hamilton. Oh, really? <laughs> they didn't want to listen to the former commander at Yorktown, the future secretary of the treasury. They shouted at him, called him a traitor to his people, and pushed past him. Wow. Which is crazy, because I think that because he's Hamilton, he would like start like, punching people in the face. Because <laughs> from what Lin-Manuel Miranda has taught me about Hamilton, mm-hmm. he seemed to be a very aggressive person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a little hot-headed, a little bit. Uh... <laughs> and, and, and breaks into rap quite often. Quite often. Quite often. That's actually what happened on the steps. Um, the mob would make their way into the school where they searched the anatomical theater the museum, the chapel, the library, and even students' bedrooms for signs of dissection, for any sign of a body, of a cadaver, as what you would call it today. A important question. Yes. How many? How how much were they really expecting to find um, sliced up bodies in people's beds? Like, they keep going to people's homes and bed chambers and being like, bodies in here? Well, I'll tell you why. Oh, no. Because when they went inside all the other rooms, they didn't find any bodies. Did they put them in the bed? Did they pretend like they were sleeping? Oh, this got real morbid. No, they okay, didn't. I'm just crazy. Don't mind me, guys. But these missing bodies wasn't a coincidence. After the attack on the hospital the night before, they, the students and the doctors, they all seized on oh. Columbia College and rounded up every single body and got rid of them. Um, there's no no sense of where really they stored them. Okay. Um, if they got rid of them, rid of them. If they just found them in different places. But this information enraged the mob. They're like, there have to be bodies in this building. And if they're not in this building, they have to be in the, in these kids' bedrooms. And if right. they're not there, well, then they're being stored in houses. So we need to like join the rest of our I people see. and continue knocking uh, on houses That's left crazy. and right. In the meantime, uh, Dwayne had jailed several medical scientists for their own safety, just like they did the night before. Mm-hmm. Since the prison was the thickest building in town, um, they would store them in, in the jail cells mm-hmm. to protect them. Right. Uh, the mob then marched down Broadway and arrived at the jail. There, oh. Governor George Clinton, Mayor Duane, and other prominent politicians urged them to disperse. They, however, were not having it. Right, yeah. Instead, the crowd grew even larger. Oh. It is said that the mob estimated 5,000 people at its end. Damn. Armed with rocks, bricks, and timber torn from nearby gallows. They finally attacked the jail, yelling, bring out your doctors. Oh, my God. I kind of love that. <laughs> bring out your dead to bring out your doctors. Bring out your dead. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's not dead yet. <laughs> I am not yet. De- okay. Um. Yeah. And it's also it was bring out your doctors. By the way, y- y- Y-E-R? Mm. Bring out your doctors. <laughs> but everyone's really pissed off. I mean, I don't blame them. You know, um, just that idea. If anyone's loved one, yeah, could have been 
not where no, they left them last. That's that's horrific. That's horrific. Especially if you walked in and saw what they were doing to him. Yeah, I think that was also a, a big piece of yeah. it, like the idea that walking in and, and seeing dismembered bodies and like, well, there's a this is literally why we don't want this happening. Right. right? Like this is the whole reasoning if you go back to the beginning right. of this episode when we talked about of the morality of it all, the ethics of it all. They're like, right. we shouldn't do this because the Lord wouldn't want our right. bodies being misused right. this way. So it almost adds more right. to the fight against it. And now again, knowing that this isn't everyone, clearly there are scientists who don't, who aren't misusing the bodies. They're, they're, they're learning from these bodies as best they can. But of course, when you're 15 and 16 years old right. and you're being entrusted to a naked body, Right. Um, yeah, your your um your 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 stupid genes kick in. Right, right. But also, I mean, if you didn't consent for your loved one or the loved one didn't consent prior to death for your body to be used in this way, no, and then your no. arm is just dismembered, I'm like, I kinda get mm. No, no, no. What I'm saying is it it is all wrong. Oh, it's all terrible, yeah. It is all wrong. It's all bad. In theory, you'd say that some I, of these right. doctors are are not misusing the Right, the bodies, I see what you're saying, right. right. In theory, you're saying that some of these doctors are actually, you know, learning right. about the body through right. through these, these through dead the, bodies. This thing. There is no, there, I'm not, there's right. not a moment of this episode <laughs> where I'm saying this is an okay yeah, thing right. to no, do. No, I know that. <laughs> but then the every so <laughs> Machine, we do, we not, do not endorse, endorse grave robbing and, grave robbing mutilating, bodies. and mutilating bodies. That Mm-mm. is not what we're here for. No. Um, but there's but, a difference, perhaps, between someone trying to figure out why someone's heart stops and the kid who took the arm and waved this it at the This is his mother's arm! What an asshole. Really is. What was he thinking? He was thinking, I'm a little prick. Yeah. And, I'm, and, and nothing can, nothing's going to happen to me because yeah. apparently my parents are probably rich because I'm at New York Hospital. Oh, Jerk. God. That's funny. Inside the jail, the medical students clamored over broken glass and used the rocks and bricks that were thrown at them to then fend off the attackers. Hmm. Seems right. smart. Right. One of the rioters climbed inside the jail through a ground floor window, only to be killed by a guard. Oh. Which further incensed the rioters outside. Governor Clinton called out several rounds of militiamen who attempted to calm the scene, although they had strict orders not to fire their muskets. That is, until the Secretary of Foreign Affairs, John Jay, who would eventually become the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court just the next year, quote-unquote, got his skull almost cracked with a rock. Oh. And And then he said, go ahead, start shooting. (laughs) Well, right after that, Revolutionary War hero General Baron von Steuben was also hit with a brick. Jay and Steuben originally called down to plead with the mob for peace, but the militiamen could no longer be restrained and they began to open fire. Oh, no. In the end, at least three rioters and three members of the militia were killed, with the final death toll as high as 20. Wow. The mob would eventually retreat as they were unable to combat the militia. Yeah. Wow. And that was the end of the actual riot. Yeah. Now... In the days that followed, local newspapers stopped running their ads for doctors and medical classes because Uh, it was starting to... Seems like a bad idea. (laughs) Well, it just seemed to be super unsafe. People regularly went out to the cemeteries and they began to start inspecting graves of their loved ones and formed armed groups known as the Dead Guardmen to protect the cemeteries. Several of the city's most prominent physicians, including Bailey, who who we spoke about earlier in the episode... Um, published notices saying that they had never robbed any cemetery in the city, nor asked anyone to do so. But 
be sure to pay attention to the very deliberate language that was used. Yeah. The key words were in the city. Oh. Because a Negro burial ground and the potter's field had been established outside of the city. Bastards. A grand jury investigated the riot, but there was no record of anyone being convicted. Nevertheless, the reputation of medical professionals in New York was tainted for years. That's interesting because during the, when we talked about Merchant House, we did talk about how um, the doctors were not held in high esteem. And I wonder if part of it's also lingering from... I, 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 I don't even wonder. I, yeah. I, I almost guarantee it. Wow. The New York doctors' riot is just one stream of the so-called anatomy riots that actually played the United States in the 18th and 19th century. Mm. Um, it was an isolated incident. Medical historian Michael Sapol has counted at least 17 incidents between 1765 and 1854 in New Haven, which it was happening at Yale, right. um, which I got a lot of Yale stuff when I was linking this one up. I was really? Like, I can't use any of this. <laughs> um, Baltimore, Cleveland, and uh, Philadelphia. These riots were sparked by anger over dissections and grave robbing as well, which was how most of the schools all over the country got their right. bodies because there was no legal supply. In response to these riots, anatomy acts, also known as quote unquote bone bills, <laughs> were passed to legislate the supply of cadavers. Oh, wow. The year after the doctor's riot, the New York legislature passed quote, an act to prevent the odious practice of digging up and removing for the purpose of dissection dead bodies interred in cemeteries or burial places. Wow. That's the whole name of the That's act. A, it's a hell of a name. I wonder what that acronym comes down to. <laughs> the act outlawed grave robbing and provided that criminals executed for murder, arson, mm -hmm. or burglary could be sentenced to dissection after death. Oh, wow. It also wasn't effective. There weren't nearly enough bodies of executed criminals to satisfy the demand, and so the medical students continued to rob graves. Mm. Of course, it was done a little bit more discreetly than before. Right. No more no more arms out of windows. Yeah. Rumors of grave robbing and dissection-related scandals continued into the 20th century before finally disappearing from the newspaper's front pages. Today, it is illegal to harvest any organs and or tissues um, for... Today, the illegal harvesting of organs and tissue fuels our medical science horror stories, um, but also it is not strange as there was a case just about 10 years ago of someone doing that in Brooklyn. Shit. Yeah. So it still happens. Wow. I was going to say there's an X-file along those lines, but oh, ooh. Uh, harvesting from the dead or harvesting from the living? From the dead. Okay. Well, that makes sense. They're so stealing bodies. Okay. Yeah. Gosh. But the riot did have other long-lasting effects. Okay. It led to one of the earliest medical licensing systems in the colonies, in which doctors had to apprentice with a respected physician or attend two years of medical school in addition to passing rigorous government exams. Wow. So basically, you couldn't just be a dumb kid to take these classes <laughs> right. without any prior knowledge. Right. But the damage was done, and it took a long time before being a doctor was considered to be a respectable profession in the city. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh that's crazy. There's also more consequences to these uh, acts than, than we initially realized. Okay. Consequences that weren't just, you know, society things such as like doctors and mm. the profession, all those things. You see, doctors were learning anatomy by dissecting the bodies of poor people. Right. But poor people who endured constant stress often had shriveled or enlarged glands. Hmm. As a result, the doctors who dissected them had a distorted view of what those glands should look like. Oh. There was a systematic error in their science. Wow. 
Wow. So in the 1800s, scores of babies started dying from what we now call SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Naturally, doctors wanted to know the cause, so they started performing autopsies on the SIDS babies. And they noticed that most SIDS babies had one gland in particular that looked enormous, the thymus glands in their chests. Uh In reality, these were normal thymus glands. They only seemed large compared to the wilted thymus glands that the doctors usually found in babies from poor families. Wow. These poor babies had often died of chronic and stressful ailments like diarrhea or malnutrition. Mm -hmm. SIDS babies, in contrast, die suddenly, by definition, before diarrhea or malnutrition could alter their glands. Right. As a result, their thymus glands were normal-sized, but doctors didn't know this. Wow. And so they developed a theory that SIDS was caused by gargantuan thymus glands, <laughs> which are supposedly suffocating babies by crushing their windpipes. So in the early 1900s, many doctors began blasting babies' thymus glands with radiation Oh no! in order to shrink them, causing thousands of children to suffer radiation burns, <gasps> depleted glands, and depleted hormones. Fuck. Many also developed cancer later in life, leading to an estimated 10,000 premature deaths. So not Whoa. only so not only did exploiting poor people lead to unethical practices and plenty of, of horrors and torture, it led to so many unnecessary deaths of people way beyond this. That's incredible. Yeah, it's just it makes sense though that if you're you know, yeah, if if it, you're only digging up people whose living conditions are bad, right? Who, who's living conditions are terrible you're going to find all of those sort of yeah i, I just ailments. imagine and just imagine for like a hundred years that's incredible these the events, right you said early nine nineteen. the 1900s is that's when, a long is when we started time. using radiation Shit. right because we weren't using radiation the 1800s right yet um so once we figured out how to unenlarge these glands we thought hey we'll do it with radiation oh but gosh. they didn't need to be right uh, they were normal so these things that happened in the 1700s and the 1800s had these lasting ramifications. That's incredible. I mean, when you talk about like true crime horror stories, like yeah, ten thousand babies or more were 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 Re- were affected oh. by basically sh- their lives shortened by this by That's... a bunch of assholes who robbed poor people. Right. That's incredible. So in May 1991, archaeologists hired by the General Services Administration. Um, were sent to examine the ground beneath a planned federal building in Lower Manhattan, and they made a startling discovery. Mm. They uh, struck bones. Ah. They were digging, guess where? Just north of Chambers Street, Mm -hmm. which was the old Negro burial ground. Mm -hmm. Um, The archaeologists found rotting wooden coffins and then hundreds of skeletons in the ground, many virtually intact. Mm. The discovery revealed a particularly painful chapter of the city's uh, past, Mm -hmm. combating the common misperception of New York as a place for free of slavery. Mm -hmm. Although the GSA initially planned to exhume the bodies and continue to to construction, a passionate group of politicians and activists calling themselves descendant community Mm. uh, demanded otherwise. Therefore, the GSA uh, suspended the construction, revised their blueprints, and allowed a monument and a visitor centers to be built over the burial ground. Right. The remains that were unearthed were sent to Howard University in Washington, D.C., historically black college, for study. Years later, researchers produced a report showing that the bones, 419 skeletons in all, show not only occasional signs of dissection, but thickened ridges, stiffened joints, bone degradation, and other results of heavy labor. 
The researchers also estimated that between 10 and 20,000 early black New Yorkers are still buried in the area today, roughly in the area of Broadway, Duane Street, Center Street, and Chamber Street, hidden beneath all the office buildings, the shops, and the hustle and bustle of Manhattan. Wow. Today, the site is a national monument where visitors can walk through a deep circle carved with symbols from the African diaspora mm-hmm. and visit a black marble chamber designed to be reminiscent of a ship's hold. The chamber is 24 feet high, as high as the remains were discovered deep beneath the earth. Mm-hmm. Seven grassy mounds cover crypts containing 419 bodies ceremonially reburied after a six-day ceremony in October 2003. Wow. It is a beautiful monument. Yeah. It's incredible that they could tell that the bodies were periodically dissected. So like they could the, yeah, that they so were, then and then they were returned to the yeah, which is they, interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Um which like makes, cover your tracks sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, which makes you believe this happened after the the, yeah. the riots when they right. knew that they had to like bring stuff back sometimes. Right. Um Wow. Yeah, pretty awful. No, it's horrific. I mean, it's such a dark yeah. part of our of our nation, our city, our our state's history, yeah. our humanity's history. Mm-hmm. Um, just the mistreatment of of um, people of color, yeah. um, poor people, immigrants, yeah. indigenous peoples, yeah. um, people with no families. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to think four hundred nineteen is a staggering number, but to think of how many people are are still in that area. Per yeah, last. that we we walk over every single day, yeah. and that like the idea of that like if we were to take, act you know you know picks and yeah. stuff and sledgehammers, how many people we would we would discover on the streets of Manhattan? Yeah, you know when we when we really talk about just when we talk about horror, mm-hmm. we you know we're a we're a mystery podcast, we're a true crimey, you know spooky podcast but that's some real horror that's some real horror that you know we that we walk on on bones every single day yeah. um oof got me, got me emotional <laughs> it's just really hard you yeah. know it's a really hard thing to, to comprehend you yeah. know how deep this nation's original sin is mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's so deep it, yep african-americans who were enslaved finally got their release of death Mm-hmm. after years of torture only to have their bodies misused which is pretty pretty awful yeah and, and the fact that we don't often think of the northern states as mm-hmm. being um not just complicit but sites of yeah yeah so those are the doctor's rights of 1780 fascinating though the grave robbers wow. that ensued and caused them that's incredible yeah. Well, thank you, Adam. Well, I don't think I mean, me. I'm not happy I had to talk about that. Um, but uh, it, you know, I I recommend if you are in New York, it is it is a a, 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 um, a very emotional place to visit. Yeah. But uh, so necessary. I think yeah, it's, and, it's a beautiful monument. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful monument, and um, I I yeah, between that and the African American Museum in D.C., mm. um, I think. Those are if you really want to get a, 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 a um, an experience. Um, those are two really important places to to visit. Hmm. Well, that's that. As always, um, we we we'll post plenty of things on our socials. Yep. We, we thank our anonymous uh, reviewer today who who complimented our yes. social media game. Uh, we <laughs> we do love our social media, so be sure to. Uh, Follow us and like us on all the uh, socials on Instagram and Facebook at NY Mystery Machine and on Twitter at NY Mysteries. Um, like, subscribe, 
follow, rate, review, all that jazz on all the podcast platforms. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week. See you next week. With, a, with an all new episode of the New York Mystery Machine. Uh, I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christina Marinelli. And take care. We'll see you next time.